This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Good morning, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. We have a record-breaking crowd today, you can see. We, uh, we started weekly services at the beginning of September as a church, so we're learning what it's like to have services during holidays in the middle of Austin. So it's a good 50% of our church is obviously out of town today, so we need to write that down. That'd be good to know. We are officially in the time period where it's okay now to listen to Christmas music. For those of you who have very strict standards about that kind of a thing, I can listen to Christmas music, dare I say, all year round. I'm probably the only person in the room who can do it all year round. Anyone else all year? Really? One person. Okay, great. Well, at least we know for the next month we can live in peace and harmony with one another since we're in that Christmas season. Speaking of that, so it's a very active time of the year. Uh, we have holiday seasons. We're kind of wrapping up 2018. And what I want to talk about today I think it applies very specifically to this season of time, um, but honestly, it can really apply to any season of the year. It's something that, um, as I've gotten to know more of you and just talking with people, we really all tend to struggle with, and it's something that our culture has increasingly gotten worse at, uh, kind of with every passing decade and with every new generation. So. Just FYI, a little interaction today is going to be helpful for me. So if I say something, maybe good, shout out an amen, maybe whatever else you want to do. If you need to boo me, save that until the end when I'm done. That'd be great. But if we can interact at all, that would be wonderful. Um, So speaking of that, here's one of those moments. So I kind of need you to shout out an answer to this question. So when you kind of hear the average person say, hey, how's it been going with you? What do we normally say in response? Busy. Busy. You got that so fast. Okay, good. All those other answers were great. There's nothing wrong with those, but we were looking for busy. So thank you very much. You win the prize. It's an Austin Live t-shirt. You can pick that up on the way out. We are busy. We're very busy. And that's what I want to talk about today, how we are busy and how as a people, we typically don't rest well. Anyone who knows me knows I'm the kind of guy that just has to have a million things going on, apparently. Um, That's at least the pace I've been running up until now. Um, Before I became a believer, I had way too many jobs to count, just trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. Um, Chasing multiple dreams, doing acting, moving around the country. I just didn't know what to do. Um, But I was always busy. And having multiple side hustles and business and a blog, whatever, I just kept myself busy. And I kind of earned the reputation of the guy who uh, gets all these things done, whether that's good or bad. And last year, so before I say this, I've been told I have a little bit of a dramatic personality sometimes. So um, that's probably true. But what I'm about to tell you, there's no dramatization added to this story, I promise. This is very literal. Uh, Last year, I can tell you, was the hardest year of my life. Working, uh, we started Austin Life Church, started working on that beginning of 2017, transitioning off of my role at 121 Community Church in Dallas-Fort Worth for the past eight years. I worked there, uh, getting ready to sell our home, find a new home, move to a new city that we'd never been to before, um, leaving family and friends. It, it just obviously was a lot in, in you know, one year. And for me, what happened after that summer Summer happened. So I know summer normally is a great time of the year, right? We kind of take vacation, we chill, we 
warm ourselves up in the 125 degree heat in Texas. That seems to be a tradition for us every summer. But for me, um, that's kind of when things got a little strange. So again, you can't make this up. I went to uh, a lake house with some friends, came back from that trip, and then uh, I started having some weird symptoms. So weird symptoms in my head. That sounds kind of funny. My equilibrium's kind of thrown off, pretty dizzy, just kind of spacey. And I found out through going to the doctor, I apparently got a parasite in my brain from the lake water. So who gets a parasite in their brain? Apparently this guy does. So for the next six months after that, as the year kind of ended, uh, it was pretty rough from a symptoms perspective. It's kind of hard to describe it. It's just when your equilibrium is thrown off, it's just you're not quite right. It's kind of hard to focus, hard to do things like that. And that same summer, uh, I went to the hospital uh, because I thought I was having a heart attack. And so I've never been to the hospital before for a heart attack. I'm not that kind of guy that goes every month, you know, because I feel like I'm, I'm, I, need a, I need to go. But I did, and I found out my heart was perfectly fine, but I had an extreme case of anxiety and panic. And that kind of led me to do a lot of research about anxiety, because I never knew anything about that uh, before I went to the hospital. In fact, I thought, uh, this is going to sound really insensitive, I just didn't know, I thought anxiety was just when someone was just obsessing over a topic, you know, too much. So for example, like, uh, I don't know, let's pick walnuts. Let's say someone is anxious about walnuts, okay, I don't know why I picked that one. So they would say, hey, you know what, I'm feeling really anxious, I'm kind of worried right now about these walnuts. And I would probably think, well, just stop thinking about the walnuts, like let it go, right? Like stop obsessing over it, think about a different kind of a nut. I don't know what you need to do, just stop thinking about it, right? And that I've learned that's just not what anxiety is. And I kind of went on a quest, so to speak, talking to a lot of people, and the average person shockingly said, oh yeah, I have anxiety every day. And most of those people take medication for it. This was a shocker to me. I just, I, I didn't know. For those of you who don't know maybe what it feels like, I've been told this analogy works by others who have anxiety. Imagine kind of being, when you're having an attack, imagine kind of being in a, I don't know, a big glass case, so to speak, and it's sealed, and you're inside, you can't get out, and it's filling up with water really fast. It's pretty terrifying. There's nothing you can do inside of that case, and there's nothing someone can do outside of the case. And it manifests itself differently in people. For me, it mimics a heart attack, who knew? Um, Maybe even a stroke a little bit. And you legitimately think, it's gonna sound dramatic, you legitimately think in that moment, you might die. And it's it's horrible. And I don't know if any of y'all can relate with me on that. That's just kind of what's happening for a lot of us when you're in the middle of having an attack. Looking back, what was almost impossible to know is in that current season, I was, I was burnt out. And I, I didn't know that. It's really hard to know in the middle of you being burnt out that you are. But it's easy to look back and maybe see some of the signs. Ultimately, with everything going on, I wasn't resting. I probably, you know, took a nap every now and then, although I hate naps, or watched a little bit of Netflix, but I wasn't resting well. I wasn't resting in the Lord. This year, what I can tell you, I'm not burnt out. I know that. Praise God for restoring me. Uh, But I can tell you the struggle to rest is really real. And the battle for anxiety is very difficult. Sometimes I rest well, sometimes I don't. And in the midst of having panic or anxiety, the thought of rest sounds good. You know that's good for you, but it feels impossible in the moment. 
I've learned over time, I don't want to be known as the guy who gets all these things done, but rather as the follower of Jesus who gets the right things done. So I know, I know not everyone can relate to having a parasite in your brain. I doubt anyone in here has that. That'd be a shocker. Or maybe going to the hospital for thinking you're having a heart attack. But I do know when it comes to struggling with rest and being really busy, I know I'm not alone in that. A recent Time Magazine article said that 91% of Gen Z feel stressed out and anxious all the time. It's a big number. Gen X was in the high 80s, and the generations before that, a little bit less, a little bit less, a little bit less, which basically is telling us with every passing generation, we are getting more stressed out and anxious as a culture altogether. Most of us in Austin don't just have one job, right? We typically have multiple jobs. We don't just have one side hustle. We have five or six side hustles. We have college on our mind, tests to prepare for. What are we going to do with our future? The pressure to get all this figured out right now is the first job I take out of college the right job for my career path, right? Do I need to leave my first job, move to the second one? What do I need to do? Am I ever going to find a relationship to be in? Am I in the right one now? What about money? What about my debt? How do I manage money? What am I going to do? I think we have a lot of this circulating in our heads, and that's adding to our stress and anxiety sometimes. Because don't you think it's a problem when we say, hey, how are things going? We do typically default to saying, I'm busy, right? Sometimes we say good, which everyone knows good is not the real answer. The real answer is the second answer you say after good, and good is like, I'm good. And someone asks again, and then you tell them the real answer. But we say, I'm busy all the time. Right? We're glancing at our phones and our watches every two seconds. We can barely pay attention to anything. We're going so fast that the information we take in, we just scan and we scroll and we click. It's just in bite-sized chunks. We keep going and going, and it seems like it's speeding up, actually. It seems like it's going even faster. And sometimes I think we actually like to stay busy because the thought of not being busy seems really boring. The irony is we think it'd be boring, but then we complain all the time how busy and exhausted we are. And so we know somehow that doesn't quite match up. We're moving at an unsustainable pace. And if I can speak for a lot of us, we are tired. We're tired people. So what are we supposed to do with that, right? If every generation is getting increasingly worse, we seem to be a little stressed out. Um, how are we supposed to live that way? How are we supposed to live this life? So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 11. If you don't have a Bible with you today, we have free Bibles right outside uh, the doors of the worship center. We'd love to give you a copy. Uh, it's our gift to you. If you have a friend in need of a Bible, grab one for your friend. We want to get a copy of God's Word in everyone's uh, hands, and we believe the Bible is 100% accurate, um, God's living and active Word. And everything we do as a church, it'll be our authority and our guide. Everything will derive out of Scripture. So we'll do Matthew 11. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. So Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I know right in the middle of Austin, right in the middle of the city, we have a lot of farmers in the room. So I know a lot of you probably know what a yoke is. 
But just in case you don't know, if you're not a farmer, a yoke is a wooden frame that would join two animals together to carry heavy loads. So I know it's hard to kind of picture that because we don't really live that way today. But uh, just to give you an example, let's say you had one oxen. It's not an ox, right? It's an oxen. I don't know why I just called that. But one oxen can carry or can pull about 8,000 pounds, which is pretty impressive. Uh, if you join two oxen together in that yoke, you would, uh, how many pounds do you think they could pull? Like simple math would probably say maybe 16,000 pounds, but in reality, it's 26,000 pounds, right? 26,000 pounds. That's a lot of holiday weight. That is a lot of pounds. <laughs> so the people during that day in Matthew, they were being oppressed and burdened with religious legalism, meaning that the Pharisees were making everything about the outward appearance and the works you needed to do to be in right standing with God. Jesus teaches us it's not about what you do to earn the salvation, but rather about what's been done for you, right? We learned about that last week with the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, that we don't obey to be accepted by God. We're accepted by God, therefore we obey. Jesus personally invites us to yoke up to him, learn from him, watch how he loves others, and as we're yoked up to him, he promises us rest. And all he says is, come to me. But the problem is we so often walk in a manner we're just not yoked up to Christ. We typically don't come to him in our hard days and circumstances. We try to kind of muster up our own courage and take care of it ourselves. We tell ourselves we don't want to burden him, right, or anyone else because it's our own burdens to carry. But biblically, that's not true and it's not, job, it's not our job to carry our own burdens alone. So what then would be a good burden and a bad burden, right? Is it okay to be burdened for people, to want the very best for them, for them to come to Christ, to be burdened for the good of our families and friends and for the local church? Yes, of course. It's, it's great to be burdened for those things. But the problem is, is when we put them on our shoulders and we start going through life without Christ, that's when it becomes a bad burden. As followers of Jesus, anytime we're walking in a manner where the burden is kind of heavy, on our shoulders, we're a little more slouched over than normal as we go about our day to day. Something's wrong, something's off. If we're worried about something, overcome with anxiety over a situation, feel like we can't do anything about where we are, we're forgetting about Jesus in the process. And it's not that our burdens in this life will go away, it's that we have Jesus who helps us carry them. So I feel like I feel like we're pretty impressed with two oxen pulling twenty six thousand pounds. Right, it's a lot of weight. But just think about Jesus for a second. He lived a perfect and sinless life. Right, he died on the cross paying the penalty for all of our past, present, and future sins. And then he rose from the grave. Sometimes we forget about that. He rose from the dead, right? Defeating death and sin and winning in victory. Imagine being yoked up to him Something tells me 26,000 pounds, that's nothing compared to what Jesus can do with us. Jesus first and foremost removes the burden of sin from our lives. We had a debt we owed we could not pay, right? We had a responsibility to live up to that we could not live up to. The gospel promises us a new home with treasure that never fades away so our burden is removed and we don't have to be anxious or worried about anything in this life at the end of the day. So how many of you have heard the phrase, God won't give you more than what you can handle, right? Have you heard that phrase before? Anyone? Two people? Okay, that's good. I figured maybe a couple more of you would know that phrase, so this may not work out well, but it'll work really great for the two people, so it's wonderful. 
So, right, sometimes we go through life, I don't know if you've ever said it to someone else or if you've heard it from someone, you're kind of in the middle of a trial. Someone's like, hey, it's okay. It's okay. God won't give you more than what you can handle. Or you're going through life thinking, it's okay. God won't give me more than what I can handle. This is a very dangerous phrase, though, and let me kind of explain why. That phrase by itself and living by that way is not in the Bible. So when, you, when we live that way, the, the problem is that you end up in two different camps. One, you can get a little cocky and a little bit of prideful because you go through life thinking, okay, God won't give me more than what I can handle, so I got this, right? I can face this trial. I can punch it in the face. I can just go through life, do my thing, and before you know it, that person is not living with Jesus. They're not yoked up to Jesus because they got it. They don't need him at that point, right? That's going to end up not working well. Or... The other side is we're ridden with guilt and shame all the time because we face a trial and we go, okay, God won't give me more than what I can handle, so how come I can't handle this? How come I can't get through this trial? I look at the next Christian, God won't give them more than what they can handle. They seem like they're doing fine, so what's my problem? So and then we, it's, a, it's a vicious cycle. We, we tell ourselves that over and over again that we can't get through this because we should be able to handle it, right? Let me give you some freedom today. We can't handle any of this. We can't. For those of you who follow Jesus, think about what it was like on day one for you. What did you do to earn your salvation? What did you do to move yourself from darkness to light? You, you, you didn't do anything, right? You answered Jesus' invitation of come to me, and you came to him, and you were forgiven, and the burden of sin was removed from your life at that point and forever, right? So if we didn't earn anything to, if we didn't contribute anything to our own salvation, why would that change today? We need Jesus just the same today as we did on day one. And we have to remember to continue to remind ourselves to come back before the cross over and over and over again and remind ourselves of what Jesus has done for us and that his ways are better and that he literally is with us. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. We have the Holy Spirit right here, right now, who teaches us the word of God, who brings remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. And as we walk in step with the Holy Spirit through things like regular Bible reading, prayer, relationship building with others, teaching them what it means to follow Jesus, when we kind of do those things and we're in step with the Holy Spirit, we experience being yoked up to Jesus. And we realize the burdens really are light. And, and the yoke is easy. That's what I've had to learn to do myself from being completely burnt out last year all the way to this year, I can tell you that the battle and the struggle is still very real. It's a daily reminder of what Jesus has done. It reminds me he's in control and whatever his plans are, that they're always, 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 bless you, they're always better than my own, right? He's the one who pulls me through my battles and struggles, and he's been faithful to do that every time. So what about you, right? Do you find it easy to yoke yourself up to Jesus? Why do you imagine maybe this is so difficult for you or, or for us as a people? Let's look at three different reasons um, I was thinking about when kind of putting this together that I think 
ways I think we struggle with coming to Jesus for a rest. So here's three reasons why I think. Number one, sometimes we think we need to pay him back. We work so hard and we want to do so many things in this life, or for God, we want to be productive people. Is it bad to want to be productive? No, not necessarily. But once those things take the place of God, it is a problem and it's an idol. An idol is anything that takes place of God. At the root of it, it's kind of pride when we want to just do a whole bunch of things and be productive when we forget about Jesus because we think we know better the way we live our lives. And we think that getting a lot of things done is what we're called to do. We wouldn't always admit to this, but it shows up in our agendas and our schedules and our to-do lists. It just shows up in how we live day to day. So number one, sometimes I think we need to pay him back. Number two, sometimes we just kind of want to go with the flow. It's easier that way. It's what it feels like. We just like to not really commit to anything, but always leave our options open, right? Sometimes we, we just kind of think God will take care of it. And there's not really a need or a sense of urgency to do too much. We kind of delay in doing what is right in front of us. We think we rest well, but in reality, we're too exhausted because the quality of our rest is really low, right? So think Amazon Prime, think Netflix, think Hulu, think binge watching a little bit of Jack Ryan or The Office or Parks and Rec. I'm guilty of all those myself. Funny enough, for that kind of a person, the root of that problem is also a pride because we're still thinking we know what's best for us when we live in this kind of a way. So it could be, number one, we think we need to pay him back. It could be, number two, sometimes we just want to go with the flow. Or it could be, number three, sometimes we just don't trust him and believe he's better. I mean, sometimes we just don't. We just, we just don't believe it. I'm not saying we've turned our backs on uh, our salvation or relationship with the Lord. Just sometimes in our day-to-day lives, we just don't trust him, right? We don't believe he's always better. We know the right answers. We've heard it before. We read it in our Bibles. We talk about it in our community groups or discipleship groups. We even share with others the truth of Scripture, just how much Jesus is better and how he provides us abundant life. But then what happens? Life hits us. And as soon as that happens, we get fearful, anxious, angry. We worry. Money stresses us out. Relationships make us go crazy. Our agendas fill up. We're looking down at our phones, glancing at our watches, noticing the next notification, constantly staying connected with technology, but having no real connections with people. We know the truth in our heads, but we don't apply it in our hearts in our day-to-day living. So Jesus saying, come to me, is a personal invitation from him. For the believer, I believe it's to keep returning to him as we stray off. We need physical time to unplug, to disconnect, slow down. We need to breathe sometimes. Some of us haven't even taken a deep breath in a while. We need to reflect on the Lord and know that is the most productive thing we could do with our time. J.D. Greer, pastor of the Summit Church, he has a great quote on this. He says, we no longer labor to gain an identity because we've been given one through Christ. Right? We no longer labor to gain an identity because we've been given one through Christ. So what does it look like to yoke ourselves up to Christ? Right? How does that look like kind of in our day to day? Well, we have to spend time with him. Right? We've got to read the Bible, pray, be in community with those inside the church and those outside the church. Share the gospel so others know that they also don't have to carry the burden themselves. We need to be able to turn things off and observe a Sabbath. It's got to be okay to shut things down and let God be the one who continues to be in control while we rest. It's got to be okay. 
we're learning this as a family. We're trying to figure out how that works for us. And we figured, we've learned, and through just kind of studying some stuff, one of the biggest problems is our phones. With our phones, we are constantly on call to the world 24-7. We are not wired to be constantly on call to the world like that 24-7. Neither are our brains. We're called to take a Sabbath. We don't have enough time today to unpack everything about a Sabbath. However, it's very important. We've got to find time to rest. So we're we're trying to figure out between Friday afternoons, Friday evenings, till Saturday afternoons, Saturday evenings, our phones are off. They're put away. You can actually go meet with people without having your phone. It's crazy. You just actually show up and just hang out with people. It's just like a shocker to everyone. But we've, we've done this only for a couple of weeks, right? We started this recently, and it has been incredible of a difference on rest. And so I'm not saying that's necessarily what it needs to look like for you. I'm just saying we're kind of working through that as a family as well. For Corey and I both, we kind of tried to do Friday afternoons till Saturday afternoons. That's when you can kind of pretty much expect we may not be able to answer our phones. Mine will be in the drawer. I don't know where his will be, but we probably won't answer our phones. Um, But what does it look like for you, right? How does this apply specifically for you? How can you commit to set time aside to read the Bible, to pray, to rearrange your schedule? to be a consistent part of the local church, and when can you shut it down to rest? Ways it looks like for us not to be yoked up to Christ. What's the opposite of that? What does it look like if we're doing this uh, away? We stay busy all the time. We don't reflect on the cross. We're isolated, away from community, away from the local church, and away from being with Jesus, right? He's here in the yoke saying, come to me. And we're like, okay, I'll I'll get there in a minute. I'm good, I'm good. I'm I'm trying to do my life. I'm a little busy right now. Jesus, I'll get there in a minute, right? We just don't yoke up to him. And he continues to ask us. And before you know it, we're on the opposite side of the field, right? And we're just, we're scurrying and being really busy. We don't take reading the Bible or prayer seriously. And we come to church and do things like this with a religious consumerism mentality versus a kingdom contributor mentality mentality. So I don't want to heap on, you know, guilt today or anything like that, because this is very difficult to do. There's a reason when you sit down to read the Bible or pray, it's challenging. And you're not the only person who struggles with it. We all do. I believe the battle for us as Christians is in the basics. We have a real enemy who's out to steal, kill, and destroy us. And you know when he's going to primarily do that? In the basics. There's a reason. We can read stuff all the time. We read stuff all the time. We make time for what matters most. We have the time to pray. We have the knowledge to be able to read the Bible. However, have you noticed when you sit down, you open up the Bible, you start reading, something happens. Distractions pick up. A notification comes in. I don't know what it is for you. It always happens. Right? There may be the occasional day you smoothly get by, but for the most part, it's hard. Or you pray. Okay, here we go. I'm going to pray. I'm excited about this. I'm going to have my time with the Lord. I'm going to start praying. And then bloop, your mind wanders off. And then it's five minutes later, and you're like, ow, oh, I get back to my prayer. You start again, bloop, and it does it again. Right? There's a reason this is challenging. It's not a coincidence that something like this is. The enemy knows what, how effective it is when we read the Bible and when we pray and when we do the basics of Christian faith. The enemy knows that our workload and burdens will all of a sudden become lighter. 
The enemy knows as we are yoked to Jesus, so much more will be accomplished for the glory of God and for the good of others. And the enemy knows as we spend time with God, our desire will grow more and more to be obedient. Because here's the deal, obedience is not burdensome and it's not heavy. Obedience is a blessing and it's light. Obedience is not burdensome and it's not heavy. It's a blessing and it's light. If you don't follow Jesus, he extends his personal invitation to you by saying, come to me. All he asks is that you turn from your old way of living and choose to believe and follow him, making him the one who's in charge of your life going forward, and you will be rescued. At that moment, that very moment, Jesus can take the burden of sin off of your shoulders now and forever. So in Luke chapter 21, Jesus is talking about the signs of the end times and about his return. And there's something in there I just noticed I think speaks really clearly to this topic. Uh, It's just a good analogy. Jesus is saying how the earth will be in distress. People will be fainting. They'll be full of fear. Powers of the heavens will be shaken. Basically, um, imagine all this going on, a chaotic culture around us. They're going crazy. They're busy. They're going a a million miles per hour. And then he says this to those who follow him. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Straighten up, raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. We walk around constantly looking down. Our shoulders are heavier and heavier the busier we get we are more anxious and worried than we've ever been before. The world around us really is going very fast. And everyone's looking down, preoccupied with themselves. They're busy, they're full of fear, they're full of worry. We forget, we're called to straighten up, raise our heads, remember the return of Christ, look forward to the return of Christ and remember everything Jesus has done for us. Imagine if we were a people who were constantly looking up, more concerned with loving others and less concerned with ourselves, believing that as we came to Jesus, that the yoke would truly be easy and the burden would truly be light. So I want to end our time today with rest and with scripture. The Bible says God's word is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And so I don't know what you came in with today, right? I don't know how Thanksgiving went for you, how the holiday season goes for you. It's good for some, it's really difficult for others, right? How you, how you feel about the end of the year coming. I don't even know if you follow Jesus or not. But regardless of wherever you are today, know Jesus is inviting you to come to him. He is the one who will bring you through whatever it is you're going through. And he will carry your burdens, and I promise you, he will give you rest. So, uh, what I'd like to do, let's take the next few minutes and just uh, breathe for a second, just kind of reflect. I'm just going to read pure scripture over us. Nothing added to it. And I would like all of us just to take these few minutes, listen to the word of God, and let the word itself care for you uh, this morning.
Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. The Lord will fight for you You need only to be still. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. And the effect of righteousness will be peace. And the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be shaken. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, 
immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And lastly, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.